Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. Amen. Anybody fired up this morning? It's a good day, isn't it? It's good to worship the Lord. And turn with me to Luke chapter 9 this morning. Luke chapter 9, we're going to be uh, verses 23 through 27 uh, in in our text this morning as we begin this new series uh, forward. In 2004, uh, my my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, but she was uh, overseas on the mission field uh, serving in Sweden. And uh, me, having fallen in love with her, we were doing the, the long distance dating thing and recognizing that I needed to be intentional uh, to pursue after her if I wanted uh, to see any kind of future in a relationship with her. Uh, I took my savings and I bought an airline ticket and I went to go visit her. Now, um, so it, it was incredible. We, uh, so I, I went uh, the week after Christmas and uh, she was with a mission team there. And they had some time off because of the holidays. And so we all together uh, went to Paris. And we decided that we were going to spend New Year's in Paris. And we're like, man, this is, this is like bucket list level type things that I'm experiencing as an early 20-something-year-old uh, individual. And so we're in Paris, New Year's Eve, right? And the whole world is there, right? If you know anything about Paris, like it's just a massive amount of people. And so that day, that, that evening, we decided we wanted to experience New Year's Eve in Paris, right? So we go out into the city, and uh, man, we're like following the crowds of people, and we're just, I mean, it's just like this just mass movement of people, and we're all going to the Eiffel Tower, right? We are, you know, we've seen the, the videos and the pictures of all the fireworks display. Just, we're just so excited to be able to experience this. And so we follow along. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people. We're walking along and we finally get there and uh, we kind of set up a shop across the river from the Eiffel Tower, kind of up on a hillside looking out over it. And, and as far as you can see to my left, my right, behind me and for me, there's just a sea of people. And, you know, the anticipation, right? You, like, you love New Year's and the countdown and all the things. And so as it gets closer to time, we're just the anticipation is growing. And we get to that moment. You know the moment, right? It's 11.59. We start counting it down. 59. I'm not going to count all the way. But you get the idea. And we get to 10, 9, 8, all the way down. 3, 2, 1. It turns midnight. And nothing happened. Nothing, like literally the only thing that happened was the Eiffel Tower, you know, it has lights. They, they just flickered. Like they do every other hour during the night. And someone looks and points to my left and miles and miles and miles across the city, you can see this glow of this massive fireworks display. We were in the wrong spot. <laughs> Nobody told us. And quite honestly, what was amazing about the moment is it's not like we were the only ones sitting there. Literally thousands upon thousands of us all followed each other to the wrong place. Listen, church, who you follow, what you follow matters. Church, the the message this morning is simple. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. 
I wonder what it would look like if we truly were a people who followed Jesus. I believe very much so that the outcome of all that God wants to do in this church, Green Hill Church, in this room, in our life group rooms, in the fellowship hall where our students gather, in the preschool hallway where our little ones are learning that God loves them, in the downstairs area of our kids' ministry as they're learning the form foundations and the formation of their faith. I'm, I, I just wonder, in 2023, what can happen if we as God's people individually would attune our hearts and align our hearts and our lives to follow Jesus alone? And then I wonder, as God does a work among us and in us, how that then would spread out of these walls into our schools, into our jobs, into our neighborhoods, into our city, into our state, and literally to the uttermost parts of the world. If we don't get this right, none of that will happen. We must be a people who follow Jesus. As your pastor, each January, my intent, my intent, right, don't hold me to it, but my intent is each January to take a moment, whether that's one Sunday or a few Sundays or a period of time, to just align us together. To, to look at what does it look like for us to continue to move forward. When I started last year, as your pastor, I led us through a series called Forward Together, where we walked through the, 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 the Gospel Acts, the, the book Acts, one through four, and we just looked at what the early church looks like, and as we're starting fresh and new with a new pastor and new people, and just how do we move forward together in this? This year, as I was trying to think through what are we going to call this series, I was like, forward, we're still moving forward. We're going to call it Forward. But over the next three weeks, I want to look at just three statements, three phrases. The first one today is follow Jesus. The one next week is grow together. And then the third week, live sent. Very simple. God's called us to go and make disciples. And we as a church, God's given us a heart and a passion for every generation, recognizing that it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, you need Jesus and we want to be a church for every generation, so we're going to pursue after and reach every generation, but we're going to really prioritize the next generation because they are a lost generation that needs Jesus, and so we're going to get after that. We want to see every generation following Jesus. So what does this look like? How do we go about this? What does this mean for us personally? What does this mean for us as a church? Now, if you think about those three statements, follow Jesus, grow together, Live sent, they're interconnected. You can't have one without the others coming alongside. And you can't do others without some of the others as well. And it starts personal. There's a sense in which we personally have to follow. We have to own this relationship, this following after Jesus individually. It's personal. But then it moves to corporate. We are together. We grow together. We can't do it alone. We need one another. And we're going to look at that next week. But then as we do this, 
We can't allow it to just be about us. We can't contain what God wants to do. We live sin. We get out of these walls. We go into our community. We go into the uttermost parts of the world. We go to those that don't know Jesus, and we help them learn what it means to follow Jesus and the life that he gives. And then we come alongside those, and we grow together with them, and then we equip them and empower them to live sin. And it it replicates and it grows and it moves us forward for the mission and the kingdom of God. So how do we do this? What does this look like? This morning we begin with this simple statement, follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. Jesus has some very hard words for us this morning. He says this in verse 23, and he said to all, Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. So Jesus has some hard words for us in this, does he not? I want to walk us through this and help us understand what he's doing. First, Jesus is clarifying the relationship. Jesus is clarifying. He clarifies what this relationship means. If we're going to follow him, if we're going to pursue him, it involves a relationship. Notice in verse 23, he says to all. Jesus is giving an invitation of speaking to all people. Now, if you look at the context of this, you know earlier in chapter 9, Jesus is gathered with a massive crowd. It says that he literally feeds 5,000, but we know that there's probably more than the 5,000 because there's family and all of this, you know, interconnected, these relationships. And so there's multitudes of people, and so there's this massive crowd. So we have the crowds who are following Jesus because, let's just be honest, Jesus is doing some pretty remarkable things, and if you saw those things happening, you would gather around to see what's going on as well. So we have this crowd who's following Jesus. We also know that Jesus has his 12 disciples that he has called out, that he went to, and he said, hey, you, I want you to abandon everything, let, let down the nets, let down your career, let down your family, all of these things, just Abandon that. I want you to come follow me. Come and learn from me. Come be my disciple. And so we know he has his 12 who are the core committed ones there. And so when Jesus is speaking in this moment, it says that he said to all, he's speaking to all spectrum, if you will, of those who are following him. And he says, if anyone would come after me. This is an interesting statement. In other words, he's defining the relationship. If you're going to come after me, if you're going to pursue me, if you're going to be in relationship with me, there are some things that you need to know. What Jesus is doing here is he's giving an invitation to be in relationship with him. Now, the word that's used here is come after me. We know that there is this word in the Bible called disciple. 
we use the word Christian. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to have a relationship with me, and this word here, this phrase, if anyone would come after me, it actually implies desire. It, it, it implies this uh, desire for a relationship. If anyone wishes to come after me. Church, I wonder if you have a desire, a deep down longing, a passion to come after Jesus, to be in relationship with him. But it's interesting, as we study this, as we look at this, what we notice is that Jesus is clarifying that the relationship that he is inviting us into is much different than what our culture and world has embraced. The relationship with Jesus goes beyond the simple, easy believism that our world has embraced. See, we live in a Western culture where we rule and we reign, and in that we want what Jesus has. We've been taught that we need to follow him. And so we have what I would call an easy believism, meaning, yeah, I believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but are they following him? Are they coming after him? We go through the motions. We claim salvation, yet it has no impact on our lives or those around us. Our life looks no different than it did before. It's called easy believism. In fact, Jesus himself is battling easy believism in this text. As I said, there's a big group of people who are following him, who have seen all the miracles, all the things that they've done, and, and they're curious, and they're following, and they're in his presence, and they want to attach themselves to him. And Jesus is clarifying that it's not just that. There's more to this. Let me explain. If you go over to John chapter 6, verse 47... Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Now, church, don't miss this. The, the scripture is very clear. Like, our salvation is found in nothing else other than our believing and trusting in Jesus and his work. There is a sense in which all it is is us believing in him and we receive salvation. The problem is we've misinterpreted and understood what believing means. We've given mental assent and think that because we have mental assent and mental knowledge and mental, yeah, okay, Jesus died for my sins, good, I need that, I want that, awesome, I got it, perfect, and then I would go live our lives. But Jesus goes on in John chapter 6, and he says this, verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. In other words, Jesus is going back to the Old Testament when God's people were walking through the wilderness as he was leading them to the promised land. They were getting hungry. And so God provided manna. He provided food for them so that they would not go hungry. But yet, even in the fact that their, their stomachs, their, their hunger was satisfied, they still died. It didn't keep them alive. It didn't keep them forever, if you will. Jesus goes on. He says, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread, verse 50, that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. What is this bread that he's speaking of? Himself. He says, I am the bread of life in verse 48. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And he goes on, this whole text is it's basically him saying, if you want to be in relationship with me and have life for all of eternity, then you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're sitting here thinking, okay, this is starting to get a little crazy. 
This is getting a little creepy. And what Jesus is saying is you need to understand that nothing else that you have will satisfy, nothing else that you have will give you life. I and I alone will be what gives you life. You need to sink all that you have into me. This is what it means to follow me and to come after me. And the scripture says in John 6, verse 66, after this, after these words, after this teaching, after this clarifying of the relationship, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They said, it's not worth it. Church, I wonder if we understand when we say that we follow Jesus, what the cost of that is what that really means, what that really looks like. You see, Jesus is trying to form disciples. And a disciple is one who learns and follows after Jesus and is being transformed by him as they learn and follow. And in so doing, they continue to follow after him even more and more and be transformed more and more into his image. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's not a mental ascent so that we can get what we want out of Jesus and live our lives for ourselves. No, he says, I am your life. If anyone wants to come after me, he gives clarity. Church, I wonder, my hope, my, my desire is that we would aim our lives this year to be a people who long to come after Jesus, who recognize that he is the bread of life, that he is the one that when we feast on him, when we take and partake of him, that we have life. Do you long for this? Do you desire him to come after him. Church, I mentioned this. We want to be a church for every generation, but we need to be a church that prioritizes reaching and going after the next generation. Generation Z, research shows us, is the least church, the least uh, religious, the, the furthest generation from God that's ever been on our watch. We have to pursue this. We have to go after this. We have to introduce these young people to this Jesus who says, come after me. I'm the bread of life. But don't miss this. I'm convinced that until we ourselves have experienced that bread of life and pursue after that and long after him and are following him with full abandon as he's called us to. Until we do that, we won't go and tell. And they'll simply look at our religious activity and say, why? We've got to be a people that follows after Jesus, that longs for him. So Jesus, he clarifies the relationship that there's more to it. Next, Jesus clarifies the requirement. He clarifies the requirement. Now we know that the scripture is very clear. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. But what does it mean to do this? What does it mean to walk in this? Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him do what? He says three things. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily. And then follow me. This is the requirement. This is what it looks like for you to be in relationship with Jesus. This is what it looks like for us to come after him. 
He says, deny self, take up your cross, and then follow me. These are powerful statements. These fly in the very face of culture then and today. Why? Because people are the same then as they are today. Why does it fly in the face of culture? Because we are a people who are all about ourselves. How do I know this? Just turn on the TV. Now, if you've watched TV in the last several months, you know that Burger King is making a comeback. All right? Their commercials are all over the place. And it's a pretty neat commercial. Let me, let me just read it to you. I'm not going to sing it to you. But it's got, a, it's got a nice little jingle to it. You ready for it? I do things the way I want to do them. Make my own rules and listen to them. Don't let anyone go rain on my parade. You rule. I think I want a flame-grilled classic. A Whopper sure does sound fantastic. Go tell them the way I want it. They say, okay, you rule. You're seizing the day, the day at BK. Have it your way. And then the commercial ends with, you rule. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Church, don't miss this. It's brilliant. This is why it's brilliant, because those marketing strategists that they paid who knows how much money for that? Know this about every single person in this room and outside of this room and all over this world for all of time. We are a people that long to rule ourselves. When they said, you rule, they knew exactly what's at the heart of mankind. A desire to rule their lives. And so when Jesus says, if anyone's going to come after me before anything happens, you've got to dethrone yourself. You have to deny self. Deny your flesh. You have to recognize that everything that's a part of you that longs for everything that you long for and desire, that will lead you on a path away from me. It will allow you to go down a path where you think that you're having everything that you want, and then midnight strikes and there's nothing. You missed it because you're following the wrong thing. So what does it mean, this idea of deny self? It's important. We need to not misread this and misinterpret this. It's not saying deny your self-worth, deny your feelings, deny your happiness, deny even things. What he's saying is deny yourself, meaning this. You want to rule. You want to be Lord of your life. And he's saying you have to get that off the throne. Now, that may cost you some of those things, but ultimately, it's not about those things. Sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes our pride, our selfish pride, leads us down a path of, um, of, of spiritual asceticism. In other words, we, we want to withdraw. We want to uh, look so um, in love with Jesus that we've withdrawn so much from the world, but it's only ourself and our pride that's dry. It's still self. It's still self. Jesus says, deny that. We, we, we long to, to please ourselves, and we think that, man, I, I, we're following Jesus, but we're going to build all of our security and all of our pleasure, all the things that we want upon the wealth of this world, and we're going to build this little kingdom for ourselves. It's self. Now, here's the thing. We need to, to, to remove ourselves from the things of the world that are influencing us, yes, we need to, to understand that God can use our wealth and use our possessions for his glory and his good, yes. But what he's calling is pull those things aside and simply just give your life to Jesus. 
Open your hands and say, Lord, as you will, my life is yours, full abandon. If it costs you everything, great, you have Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. We deny self. Why? Because our self will always lead us on a path opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. How do we know this? Scripture is very clear. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, listen to what it says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. In other words, when you walked according to the flesh, when we followed the course of this world, followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, when we followed that side of us, it led to death. It led to destruction. We are dead in our sins. Our flesh is dead. Galatians 5, 19 teaches us that our flesh is corrupt. Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, if you follow your flesh, live it out all the way. It's going to lead you down this path of sexual immorality and purity, sensuality and greed and all these things that he goes on and on for verses about. It's corrupt. This is the path that it will lead us. Romans chapter 7 verse 18 teaches us that our flesh is evil. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. Right? Like we want to do what's right, but what does our flesh do? For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Why? For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Why? Because we keep following the flesh. Church, we've got to take assessment of where our heart is. Who's on the throne? Who's guiding us? What are we pursuing? What are we chasing after? What are our eyes fixed upon? Sometimes we intently follow it, and sometimes we just find ourselves drifting down it. And Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Why? Listen, when we take full assessment, because let's just be honest, we don't like to look within us, don't, do we? I mean, we would rather just live in oblivion, put our heads under the sand, and just keep living. But when we take a real assessment of what's happening within us, it's scary. But that's good. We need to get to that point because it's when we're at that point, that's when we can throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I am desperately in need of you. There's nothing but evil and sin inside of me. That is what it means to deny self. It's, that's when the gospel becomes rich within us. So then he goes on and he says this, take up your cross daily. So basically he's just like, he's escalating the situation here. Hey, deny yourself. Okay, all right. Like self, self is denied. And now he says, all right, take up your cross. Now it's, it's really interesting because Jesus has not yet gone to the cross at this point when he tells them this. If you look, actually, in the verses right before this, in verse 21 through 22, Jesus foretells, he tells them that he's going to die. He doesn't tell them how he's going to die, but he tells them he's going to die. So it's interesting that he's saying, if, watch this, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to go down the path that I'm going down, it's going to the cross. And if you're coming with me, you're going to the cross. And what's interesting about this, and we've, 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 we miss this in our culture, but when Jesus said, take up your cross, immediately an image, a very specific graphic image comes into their mind. You see, crucifixion was not reserved just for Jesus. 
Crucifixion was the way of execution of that time for criminals. And so there were literally thousands and thousands that were crucified. So every one of these people who heard Jesus say, take up your cross, they immediately went to an image where they had seen somebody walking down the street carrying a beam that was the cross beam to the pillar that they were going to be nailed to where their life was no longer going to be. They were a convicted criminal and their life was no longer theirs. This is the image that comes in their mind when Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, pick up that cross. In other words, your life is no longer yours. It is now dead. See, he takes it from deny ourself to now, watch this, the only thing that self will listen to is the cross. Listen, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Come on, anybody? Let's just be honest. And then how many of you have already broken them, all right? Like, like, that's it, right? Like, every year we do this. I quit doing it because I'm like, I know myself. It's not going to happen, right? This is why what Jesus calls us to is more than making resolutions and commitments and, you know, I got it, Jesus. That, That is the self trying to do it. And what Jesus is saying is the only hope for you is that you get up on the cross, that you die to self that you are co-crucified with me. Listen to what the scripture says. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. This is is Paul. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, I can't live myself. I've been crucified with Christ, and I live now in the fleshly body through faith and following after Jesus. Why? Because he's been crucified. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 teaches us this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. We recognize that we have been crucified with Christ. So when he says, Take up your cross. And notice Jesus specifically says, take up your cross daily. This is a daily thing. This is a, every morning we wake up and say, Lord, I know my flesh and I know my desires and I know that they're going to try to rule my life. But this morning, today, before I even do anything, it's yours. I have been crucified with Christ. My body of sin is dead. So now I follow you. This is what it means. This is what it looks like. Listen, as long as the self-life is alive, we will never be at a place where we can surrender and submit and follow Jesus as he's called us to. It must die. So Jesus then says, now follow me. And I love this because we're all about saying, yeah, let's follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus. Yes, but you can't follow Jesus until you've done those first two denied self and taken up your cross. Listen, it's not until we're dead that we can follow. That is a powerful statement because following implies that we're alive, doesn't it? But that's the beauty. Scripture teaches us that it's not until we're dead that we become alive in Christ Jesus, and it's then that we can follow him. Listen, the problem with what I would think is the church today, and I'm, I'm just talking about the church globally, We're trying to follow Jesus all the while our self-life is in full control. 
We're trying to follow Jesus all the while our self is still on the throne. In other words, we will gladly say, I'll follow Jesus as long as I get to still blank. Or I'll follow Jesus as long as I can still think this way or act this way or do this thing or I don't have to do this thing. Or This is not what Jesus called us to. He's saying, no, if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me. Period. Church, it's when we get to that point that God can use us. It's when we get to that point that God works miracles in us and through us. See, back in John chapter 6, when everyone seemed to be abandoning Jesus, when they didn't like the hard word that he was giving, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, everyone else is gone. What about you? What about you? It's getting hard. What about you? And this is what his disciples said in response. Lord, to whom shall we go? What a great statement. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Church, listen. If Jesus is calling you, leading you to do something. And you say, but it might cost me this. Jesus says, I know. He might be leading you down a path, and you would say, well, that's going to mean I'm going to go down that path alone. Jesus says, I know. Listen. To get to the promised land, they first had to go through the wilderness. Jesus was with them. Jesus provided for them. Jesus upholds them. Jesus will do the same for you. Will you say yes to Jesus? Jesus goes on in verse 24 and 25 to clarify the result of our willingness to follow him. Let me finish with this. Look at what it says in verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Don't miss that. Then he goes on. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In other words, Jesus is giving commentary to what he just taught us. Okay, you want to allow the self-life to rule. Go for it. The result will be you will lose your life. In other words, he goes on to say, okay, the self-life. Let's say you allow the self-life to rule and somehow, way, you gain the entire world anything and everything that you've ever desired that this world has to offer, it's all yours. Okay. What does it profit a man if he gains all of that, but then in the end, he loses his soul? Church, don't miss this. This world that we're living in, that our self-life loves, is coming to an end. Jesus is returning. 
And the scripture says when he returns, there's coming a day where he will judge all things. And the things that are pure, the things that are right, the things that are good. And by the way, the only things pure, right, and good are those that have been redeemed and restored by him. And have received his righteousness through the work of Jesus Christ. Everything else will be wiped away. And then he will, scripture says, create a new heaven and a new earth. Which will be his kingdom and his glory for all of eternity. Are you going to gain the whole world and lose out on that? Jesus says, it's not worth it. Come, follow me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to just ask you a few simple questions. What does it look like for you personally in this moment to follow Jesus? What does it look like to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow him? See, in Paris, the consequence of me following the wrong people and the wrong crowd meant missing some fireworks. In life, not following Jesus has a bit greater consequence. It means potentially missing eternity. If you aren't following Jesus with full abandon, consider the consequence for yourself, for your family, for your marriage, for your neighbor, for your coworkers, for those around you for the unreached people groups in this world. Would you just say yes to Jesus in full abandon? Those of you in this room who've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, this message and this passage is for you. Remember, Jesus said, I'm speaking to all. If anyone wants to come after me, he is inviting you into a relationship with him. Would you say yes to him today? He longs to save you. He longs to give you life. Say yes to him. Those of you who've been pursuing him and chasing after him, just renew within your mind that you have denied self. Take up your cross. Say, Lord, whatever your will is for me, through me, in me, you accomplish it and you do it. Father, I pray right now that you would have your way in this time of response. God, I pray that we would be marked as a people who are truly following Jesus. Because if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, if we're going to live sin, if we're going to grow in faith, then it won't happen unless we and ourselves have dealt with you in our hearts and abandoned self, denied self, and said yes to following you. So God, you do it as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand. We're going to respond in song. I don't know what the Lord's doing in your heart. I hope he's speaking to you. I hope he's inviting you into communion and fellowship with him like you've never experienced before. As we respond in song, maybe you just want to use your chair as a place of prayer. Maybe you want to come and use this altar as a place of prayer. I'll be down front. Pastor Casey will be down front. We invite you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, come talk to us. Come talk to us after the service. But you do business with Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.